our Lord Jesus, after his resurrection and before his return to the Father, met with his disciples. He said, Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. These words have been a foundational force within the Christian church down through the centuries. Our own denomination has been a missionary church since its inception. After Presbyterians came together to form the Presbyterian Church in 1840, one of the very first acts of that church was to send two missionaries to India. And that tradition has remained ever since. Today we are engaged in mission in India and China, Nepal, Indonesia, Malawi and Kenya, Jamaica, Brazil, and in Eastern Europe. The mission board of our church, uh, the mission of our church is organized through the Board of Mission in Ireland and the Board of Mission Overseas. It's paid for by the United Appeal for Mission. And so I want to start tonight by thanking you for your contributions to the United Appeal for Missions each year. Salaries and expenses of missionaries are paid from the United Appeal. Grants are made to, to hospitals and theological colleges, uh, to lay training centers for literature work, broadcasting, and many, many more things. And it's thanks to the generosity of people like yourselves that our church is able to be engaged in mission in so many places around the world. Now, we've been invited to say something about our own recent experiences of the life and work of the church in Malawi in Central Africa. Malawi, which used to be called Nyasaland, was discovered by the great Scottish explorer David Livingstone. When he returned to Britain, he appealed for missionaries to take the gospel to the teeming thousands of people that he'd seen in Central Africa. And a group of Scottish Presbyterians responded and arrived there in 1875. In the first five years, five of them died, and they made only one convert. Gradually, however, the church began to grow, and it became the Church of Central Africa Presbyterian. Just over 50 years ago, our own Presbyterian church was invited to share in this mission, and eventually Malawi became one of our biggest mission areas. Now, we want to give you a picture tonight of what's happening in one tiny part of that country at one mission station, but it's typical of what's happening throughout the, throughout the country. You know, it's quite risky going back to work somewhere that you left many years before. You have changed, the people has cha have changed, the country has changed. We had left Malawi 
in late 1981 after 12 years' service there. I then worked as a parish minister here in Belfast for almost 25 years. And now, in retirement, we had the opportunity to volunteer to go back to northern Malawi so that an American missionary and then Robin and Helen Quinn from this presbytery could each have three months leave. I was going back to help train ministerial students. Ruth was going back to help at Equindeni Hospital and College of Nursing. We both had been doing similar work there before. But would we still be able to cope? Did you see many changes? That's the question that people have asked us. And our first impression as we drove 230 miles north from the airport in the capital Lilongwe to Equindene was that Malawi is still as beautiful as ever with high hills and green countryside dotted with small villages. And what a change to find a tar road the whole way to Equindene. In 1969, when we first arrived in Malawi, it was only a narrow dust strip. In addition, many people are now driving these large 4x4 vehicles. And as we drove into the newly designated city of Mizuzu, capital of northern Malawi, it was unrecognizable. Previously a small town, now amazingly expanded and thronged with people. In the late afternoon sunshine, people were streaming out of the shops and offices, making their way home, many of them talking on their mobile phones. Communication had certainly improved for the better. The change that really struck me was something completely different. When we were there before, people were afraid to say what they thought. Dr. Banda, the president, ruled with a rod of iron, rather like the situation in Zimbabwe today with Dr. Mungawi. No criticism of him or of his government was allowed. There was only one newspaper in the country, and of course it was a propaganda sheet for the government. When we went back, we found five or six newspapers, open criticism and debate. There was a much freer, more relaxed atmosphere in the country. Also in Dr. Banda's day, family planning, personal health issues weren't spoken about publicly. Now, largely as a result of the crisis caused by AIDS, personal health and behavior were dealt very publicly. Nothing was discreet. But the one thing that has not changed is the living conditions of the rural poor. Most homes are still built of mud and thatched with grass. People still sleeping on a mat on the floor and often without even a blanket. Barefooted, malnourished children in tattered clothes. And what chance of education is there for them? Primary school? Maybe. 
but secondary education unlikely. And without that, there's little hope for the future. And women, still cooking on three stones over a small fire. Progressive impoverishment really is what's happening, largely due to the AIDS pandemic. Last May, a World Bank report concluded that there'd been no improvement in living conditions in Malawi in the last 10 years. 40% of the population are now living on less than 18 pence a day, and the country has dropped to the fourth poorest in the world. Most rural people in Malawi subsist on about eight acres of cultivated land. Maize is the main food crop in the country. It's a difficult crop to bring to harvest as it needs four months of regular rainfall to grow to maturity. Things were made worse last year when there was a bad crop, a bad drought, and the crops wilted. There was an extremely poor harvest. When we arrived just over a year ago, people were really struggling to find food. I remember a man coming to the door begging because his wife and children hadn't eaten for several days, and he was just one of many. It was heartrending because there were just too many to help. At rural clinics, I saw a number of malnourished ch children, like this little baby boy. And these children would be brought back and admitted to the nutrition centre at Equindeni Hospital, where they were given a high-protein diet, and the mothers were taught to how to ensure that they were ch their children uh, were fed in a better way. So we were very relieved uh, just about this time last year when the church in our area received £40,000 from the Presbyterian Church here in Ireland to help with famine relief. I think it was a moderator's appeal that there'd been. And the hospital staff who were responsible for food distribution were able to call orphans and their guardians to Equindenny Hospital to receive food. And of course... The children were fed as they waited for the maize to be distributed. A plate of rice, but no milk or sugar, but nevertheless very much appreciated by hungry children. Also, of course, the hospital was able to distribute food to the elderly and the very ill in their own villages. People got uh, 25 kilograms for a family for a month to keep alive on. Thankfully, I should say, this year uh, there has been a good harvest. For me, the big change is the effect of HIV-AIDS, which has virtually decimated the country. When we left in 1981, AIDS was virtually unknown. Now, one in seven people in Malawi are HIV positive. Malawi has one of the highest prevalences in the world. The church has a very active uh, public health program to inform people and try to reduce the spread of AIDS. But every family that we knew was affected, if not by the actual disease, 
than by caring for some of the many orphans left behind. AIDS is mostly seen in the 20 to 45 age group, people in the prime of life. It's spread by sexual contact and by contact with contaminated blood and body fluids. And therefore, if one marriage partner gets AIDS, then the other partner will be affected. Like Davy here and his wife, Maria, both of them HIV positive. But despite the big smile, Davy is very ill and I suspect he has since died. Because of the risk of HIV infection uh, in the hospital, then precautions need to be taken. And so disposable gloves are worn for almost every procedure, even uh, for making beds. There are many innocent victims of HIV AIDS, including children, like this little girl, Hilda, just eight years old. She's an orphan. Her mother died having passed the virus to her. And sadly, mothers can even pass the virus to their newborn babies. One of the tragic side effects is that there are now hundreds of thousands of AIDS orphans in the country. In a 15-mile radius of Equindeni, and that's the area served by the hospital, there are 7,000 orphans. You may remember the publicity surrounding Madonna's adoption of uh, baby David Banda. But for the majority of orphans, it is the grandparents who have seen their own children die and then are left in their old age without any source of income to feed and to clothe and to educate their children's children. Every family we knew was caring for additional children. Sometimes it's the siblings, children themselves, who are left to care for younger brothers and sisters. And this is one of the saddest situations I saw in the hospital. Miriam is just 10 years old. She and her baby brother and Patso are both orphans. Their mother died shortly after Mpatsu was born, and Miriam is the only one left to care for her baby brother. But the one positive thing is the recent introduction of antiretroviral drugs. Many people who are HIV positive can now have a good quality of life and even have life prolonged. Before going back to Malawi, I had never had the opportunity to meet anyone with HIV AIDS. Now I count many, many people who are HIV positive, my friends, nurses in the hospital, community workers, people in the church, people who currently look well, can work, and have quite a good quality of life. This is Lexa, 
Her husband died of age, and so now she's HIV positive. She is on antiretroviral drugs, and she's doing well. But there is no cure for AIDS. And she knows that sooner or later, she will die from the disease. And so she worries about the future and about who will take care of her young family when she's gone. I think we've said enough about the difficulties. It's very important to report, in fact, that there was much, indeed plenty, to encourage us. We found that the church had grown amazingly since we'd last been there. There were new congregations everywhere. Anywhere we went, there could be 500 to 1,000 in the congregation. In fact, the church was growing so rapidly that there was an acute shortage of ministers. At least 80% of services each Sunday were taken by elders. Indeed, that's why the little college at Equindeni called Livingstonia Theological College had been started four years ago. You see, the main place to train Presbyterian ministers for all of Malawi is at Zomba in the south. It's about 100 students there. That means there's just over 30 graduating each year. But that wasn't enough ministers being trained to meet the needs of the expanding church. And so at Equindeni, a new and second place was established. We had 30 young men there following a three-year course. And I must say that I was most impressed with the commitment and enthusiasm and sacrifices made by those young men to come and study at Equindeni. At the end of this presentation, we're going to play a, a short piece of the students at the Theological College singing because it uh, communicates better than we ever could to you the zeal of the students. Soon they will be joining an older generation of ministers, many of whom we helped to train previously when I was a teacher at Zomba in the 1970s. And I've no doubt, and I'm quite encouraged by what I've seen, I have no doubt that together they'll provide good leadership for the church in Malawi. I was also encouraged to, mind, to find uh, many fine Christian leaders in every department of the church's work. Leaders in education like the principal and vice principal of Equindeni Primary School. Teachers with huge numbers of pupils, 70 to 100 in their classes, and very limited resources. Mostly the children sit on the floor, except for the blind children who are the ones sitting at the desk. There are also many committed Christians working in our mission hospitals who make great personal sacrifices to care for the sick. Barbara is the sister in charge of the children's ward. There's space for 30 children, 
but just now it's the rainy season. Malaria is at its worst and the ward is crowded with over 50 children, many of them very ill. Imagine Barbara's frustration when there are no proper sized needles for giving injections and many of the most basic drugs are out of stock. There are also many fine Christian leaders in the community, people like Liz, who set up a children's centre to care for orphaned children in her local area. But the other big change is the growth in the number of volunteers, ordinary Christians, volunteers who help to uh, thousands of orphans by running uh, preschool nurseries and feeding programs to ensure that the children are fed and cared for. Other hospital volunteers provide home-based care to the sick and dying, often walking many miles to bring simple medicines and to give basic nursing care and practical help to those unable to get to hospital. Did you see many changes? Yes, some good, but not all for the better. We saw people living in poverty, huge numbers of orphans, people dying of AIDS, and many people hungry due to an uncertain harvest. The needs of Malawi are immense. But above all, what remains with us is the cheerfulness, generosity, and deep Christian faith of wonderful people. The words of the Apostle Paul sum up how we feel about the situation that we found in Malawi. There's a real opportunity here for great and worthwhile work. People are spiritually hungry. Our Irish missionaries are well accepted and work in partnership with local Christian leaders. Robin Quinn from this presbytery at the Lay Training Centre Equindeni is involved in leadership training. His wife Helen helps with the women's empowerment programs. David Steele from Balamoney teaches at the Theological College. His wife Maggie runs a scholarship fund for needy Malawian students. The opportunities are endless. Resources are few. Personnel needs are great. But despite all the problems and frustrations and shortages, God is at work in a wonderful way. And we in Ireland, by our praying and giving and occasionally going have been given a real opportunity for great and worthwhile work. To help us sense the, the, the intensity of the faith of the people, we're going to finish with three short snippets, about two minutes in total, of the theological students singing. These were taken at a digital camera. Their quality isn't very good, but you'll see 
when Malawians sing they can't stand still. In the first song, they're on a journey marching to heaven. You see them marching. The second song's about Jonah. And then the third one speaks for itself. Gracious and loving God, you have bound us into a family that stretches round the globe. You have shown us your love and have called us to show that love to others. We thank you for our brothers and sisters in other lands. We pray for those who seek to follow Jesus Christ in Malawi today. We thank you for the enthusiasm and the commitment of people despite the severe difficulties they face in everyday life. We pray especially for the work and witness of the church, ministers and elders and evangelists. We remember missionaries from our own country and from Scotland and the United States who also serve there. We pray for all involved in education, the great needs that there are in that area of work. We think of those involved in training ministers, and we pray for the Theological College at Ekwendeni and the one at Zomba. 
And we remember medical work, the five mission hospitals that we have and support there. We pray especially for protection for members of staff in the very difficult situations in which they work in the midst of the AIDS epidemic that is there. We pray too, Lord, that the shortages of equipment and medicines may be overcome. And we ask you, gracious God, our Father, that you will help us by our interest and by our praying to support those who seek to be your witnesses in that land. And grant, Lord, that the day may soon come when at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In his name we pray. Amen.